Hi, I'm Lauren Hassan, and this is The Developer Show, a career development podcast for tech women by tech women. My guest today is Bina Amanoff, who's the Global Vice President of Data, Artificial Intelligence, and New Tech Incubation at Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, and she's also the founder of nonprofit Humans for AI. In this episode, Bina and I are going to talk about her own career journey and how she leveraged what she initially thought was a step back into an individual contributor role and how she transformed that experience into something that ultimately accelerated her path back into senior leadership and made her even more effective as a leader. We'll also get into how to build influence when joining a new company and how it's not just enough to do a great job, but that you have to establish yourself as a thought leader too. Welcome to the Developer Show, everyone. Today, I'm excited because we have Bina Amanoth here with us, and she is an award-winning senior executive who is currently serving as the Global Vice President of Data, Artificial Intelligence, and New Tech Incubation at Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, and she's also the founder of nonprofit Humans for AI. She's had an impressive career in both leadership and independent contributor roles, She's produced revenue-generating data and analytics products for companies that include Fortune 15 companies and startups alike, like GE, E-Trade, Thomson Reuters, and Bank of America. She's been recognized for her work with the Super, Women's Super Achiever Award from World Women's Leadership Congress, and she's even been inducted into the Women in Technology International's Women in Technology Hall of Fame, amongst many, many other honors and recognitions. She's an impressive, smart lady who holds both a bachelor and master's degree in computer science, and she even has her MBA in finance. Today, today I'm happy to say that she is our guest of honor on the Developer Show. Bina, welcome. Thank you, Lauren. I'm so excited to be on your show. I am so excited. I cold called you and asked you to be on our show, and it's a testament to you get 100% of what you don't ask for, so I did. I reached out and asked. And it's fantastic to have you here. And as our listeners know, the Developer Show is all about top tech women having open and candid conversations about their careers, the lessons learned, and how they got to where they are today. So with that, help us read between the lines in your impressive career and give us your own take on how you got to where you are today. Yeah, Lauren, you gave such a fantastic introduction. Um, So, you know, I have uh, studied computer science both at the undergrad and grad level. Um, And my uh, first job out of college was as a data analyst. And I've had a number of roles, but the underlying theme has always been in the data. So right from being a data analyst to a DBA to a SQL programmer then leading a data team, Um, It's always been about how to use data to derive value and insights from it. Um, And I've just seen this whole space evolve so much in my uh, time in the past 25 years. And I think you covered it briefly is, you know, my domain expertise has been right from financial to retail, e-commerce and industrial. So, uh, What's not there, which you won't see on my LinkedIn or on my resume is, so I was leading, um, I started as an individual contributor and then I was leading a fairly large team and um, and back in early 2000s and I had my son 
and I wanted to be a super mom and it was all in my head but I, I did want to you know my jo- job to be at that point of time to be an eight-hour job so that I could focus more on my little one. So I went from a management level position back into an individual contributor role and it was a very conscious decision and uh, you know no regrets about it. As my son grew uh, and um, you know I, I I started realizing that I really missed being in leadership and that was the t- uh, that's uh, when I came uh, joined the startup and then came back into leadership roles. So I feel that uh, in my career I have uh, been both hands on and hands off and have been able to see the data space evolve. Um, like in the past, it was all about transactional databases, and then it became more about using, um, you know, from transactional, we started adding on around data warehouses and business intelligence to derive intelligence from the data. And now it's really about data science and machine learning and artificial intelligence and how we use the data to drive new revenue channels to dr- make ourselves more productive. Uh, it's we still have the old systems, but they still exist, and we st- we just I just see this enhancing the data space that we all live in today. And I have to I have to add that one thing that we were talking about offline is that initially you thought this was a step back in your career, but in reality, it actually was a strong tech foundation for you that actually ended up propelling you forward. So can you walk us through what was going through your mind as you were making that transition? And then how you how you rebranded that into something that was not a step back, but something that instead enabled you to uh, bond and, and communicate with individual contributors across the organization? Yeah, I think that a strong tech foundation really helps. And, uh, yeah, you know, when I studied, um, when I did my computer science undergrad and grad, there was no, you know, Hadoop, you know, the Hadoop was not yet there. We, were, we didn't have programming languages like the ones we use today. Uh, it was very, my first programming language that I studied was Pascal. And we studied Pascal and C and FoxPro and, you know, DBase and Access Databases, completely different world. But we, we also studied strong computer science theory. Right. So when I took that step back in my career and went into an IC role, I think, you know, I didn't plan for it that way. But the timing was just so right because it was right around the time that Hadoop and big data was coming to the forefront. And I got the experience to actually be more hands on and learn about these newer set of technologies, which we didn't really, which I didn't really study when I was doing my graduate studies. So, you know, I think it helped me a lot. If if my career had continued on that um, vertical trajectory, that's, you know, the straight line that you see rising up, uh, I don't think I would have gained the depth I currently have in my technical skill set, being more, being able to be more hands-on, right? So, yeah, and I also, you know, I think it helped me a lot because I got that hands-on 
knowledge in those eight years when I switched into an IC role. And, uh, you know, the way I lead my team or the way today's leaders inspire is not through bureaucracy or org structure. It is by earning team members respect. Right. And I can still walk around my team and point out coding mistakes or see some architectural gaps, which naturally earns you the uh, team's respect. And you uh, it gives me the ability to be able to speak at any level within the organization. I can have a meaningful, impactful conversation with the engineers and I can have at the C, C level as well. Right. And I think that strong foundation computer science. Uh, plus having that hands-on experience really helped me propel uh, or rather accelerate in my career. And I have to thank you for being honest about how you thought initially it was a step back and to own that and share that story with other women because I think we're too hard on ourselves thinking that that path to success is a straight vertical line. And it really isn't. But what both you and I know and from other top tech women is that it isn't. And the, the, the analogy that comes to mind is it's almost like an arrow. In order for an arrow to move forward, yeah. you first have to pull it back a little bit. And it's your perspective on it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I love that analogy uh, because I did feel that. And, you know, one of the things I, di- uh, I didn't mention is uh, when I was ready to come back, into from that individual contributor role back into uh, the same level that I was at at my previous job it was tough right it was uh, it was almost like I had to climb up that arrow again climb up that vertical uh, line again uh, just because you know most organizations try to fit you into a box and they look at only your current you know right previous experience immediate previous experience they're not willing to look at and say oh you used to manage a team in the past and then you went into an architect level role uh, and they consider you uh, you to actually start back from being an architect to a team leader to a manager and so on so I I found that quite interesting but uh, it was something that I I had to do but here's the thing Lauren because um, because of uh, you know the depth I had, the foundation I had, it actually accelerated my journey back, right? Even though I had to almost reset it. Right, and you you didn't just leverage that pulling back to go forward, but you also did something else. I believe you you joined a startup, right? When you started rejoining the leadership role, and that's one of the things that I recommend is maybe. A big company isn't where you jump back into senior leadership, but you can accelerate the process and that upward trajectory by thinking outside the box and figuring out where else can you get it. So I would love for you to talk about how you manage that. So we talked about the challenges you face, but you you did some clever things to overcome those challenges. And I'd love for you to share that with, with everyone. Yes. Yeah, so when you, um, you know, I think in a startup, you get such an opportunity to uh, expand in different ways. It's really, uh, you're limited by your own time limits and uh, the restraints you place in yourself because there are so many gaps to fill. So I did make 
uh, I, wa- I was at a largish company and I, as I was interviewing, I did notice that large companies are more rigid for and for good reason on uh, fitting you into that box of looking at the previous experience. And I think it's important. I think the swimming lanes are much more clearer in a larger company. But I also realized at a startup, I could truly shine and uh, grow faster and actually help which would actually help me get back into my leadership position Um, so uh, it was a very conscious decision to go back into a startup and almost restart reset my journey and start from there it helped me a lot and it's not just the startup that that you benefit from but the startup benefits from you as well and so your value proposition is even more valuable to a startup and so it's you have to remember it's not they're doing you a favor. You have to also remember it's a give and take situation and that you were doing them a big favor by bringing this someone with senior leadership and executive abilities in who also can work at the independent, independent contributor level and pull other team members up. And so therefore you were able to accelerate that process. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Lauren, you had a similar journey too, right? I did. And that's why this this really resonates with me is I took a seven year break between uh, doing internships in technology at like IBM and applied materials in undergrad. And then I took a seven year break and got back into tech. And it was hard. I, I started, uh, I was at the intern level, but I was paid as a full time employee. And I'll tell you, it's hard when when you have young software engineers telling you to your face that you are their minion. Um, and that's, that's very difficult. But you know what, I kept my head focused on where I'm going to go and knowing that I'm going to play my game. And I don't for a lot for a while, I did see it as a step back for for a period of time. And in time with these conversations with with other women, including yourself, I realized that it wasn't a step back and that it was how I was labeling it myself that made me think it was a step back. And that it really was me propelling myself forward and learning how to be an independent contributor so I can be an even more effective leader. Yeah. And can and communicate. And it's all in how all in how you position it within your head and your mindset and your perspective on it. You're so right. It, it, I think, you know, a lot of times we have to remove the restraints we place on ourselves mentally um, as to uh, whether it's be restraints as because of our title in the company or uh, or the box that we are trying to be uh, being forced to sit in, right? I think we have to be able to push ourselves out to what we want to do. I like to use the analogy. It was when you point your finger at someone, there's three <laughs> fingers pointing back at you. And I always take that really seriously going, okay, what's my role in this? How am I holding myself back? Mm. I can't change the world, but I can change myself. And if I can change my mindset, how can that change the world that I'm in? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great way to put it. I like analogies. I'm a very visual person, even though I'm a programmer. So I want to I wanna switch gears a little <laughs> bit. I want to switch gears a little bit here so we don't have to bear with too many more of my analogies. Is now you are leading up innovation at a Fortune 15, that's 1-5, not 5-0, 1-5 company. 
And so you made the successful leap from getting back into leadership with a startup to transitioning into a large company. But I'm sure building influence and establishing your credibility and reputation didn't come just by putting your foot in the door. So how did how did you build from getting your foot in the door to where you are today? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, and um, Lauren, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, th- there's also, besides that, that uh, stepping back in the career, there's also the fact that the reality is that as women, we have to work 10 times over every time to prove ourselves, right? Yes. No matter where you are in your career, it is, it's, it's the reality. It's something that you notice every day. But it's only much later in my career that I actually found my voice and started um, started to really realize how I could establish credibility and reputation by leveraging my strengths. And my strengths lie in building relationships. So it was really for me as I uh, joined the large company was to identify the key stakeholders, understand their pain points help them address those leveraging my strength, which is around data and analytics, and actually bring them value for their business. So it was uh, all about building one-on-one relationships to get that buy-in, to show value. And then uh, network. Uh, I mean, and I don't mean network as in where you just add a LinkedIn connection, but actually build a relationship. Because at the end of the day, most people are nice everybody is nice there are good uh, good points that you can identify in almost everybody and how do you actually build that relationship how do you focus on the strengths of that person in front of you and build you know building that human relationship that is crucial um, and the other thing that really helped me was um, through public speaking and which I have an interesting uh, story, which we can probably get into later on how I started with that. But it also, you know, public speaking, just being, uh, you know, uh, being a voice, not only internally within the company, but externally uh, actually helped me, you know, help me in my career as well. So. I think it's not only about um, just doing your job well, which I think we all do, but it's going out of the way to build those relationships, to understand people's problems, help solve it, and then you know establish yourself as a thought leader because we all are good at something. We are all experts at something. So how do you actually help companies, people, uh, you know, just the people you interact with, both internally and externally, how do you help them with the expertise, the strengths that you have? Going in with that approach really helped me. I have to double down on two things that you said there and unpack them. One is figuring out the problem or the pain point and how you provide value and establishing credibility. And that's one of the quickest ways I found to build reputation is to ask those questions, understand the problem the business and your peers are trying to solve Mm -hmm. and help them get there. And part of it isn't necessarily you doing it. Part of them is helping others be successful. And I know you had a lot of that in your career of helping other people get there as you got that buy-in. And then the other thing that I want to unpack is that it's not, it's your network that matters. It's not the going to networking events and handing out your card. 
but it's that reputation within the company-wide network. And I actually learned this lesson the hard way. I was fortunate enough to learn it at 23 years old. So I was able to carry mm -hmm. it forward in my career. I was not in tech at the time. I was actually an investment banker and investment banks rank their analyst class mm. into about five different tiers. And this, the tier you are in from the top to the bottom determines your, uh, your annual bonus. And the difference between bonus and those tiers could be on the order of five figures. So it's really important. And at the end of the year, I got the review and mm. I didn't hear anything negative. In fact, I heard everything positive. We love you. You're fantastic. Keep doing what you're doing. And then I was placed in the second to top tier. And I was smart enough at the time to ask what held me back. Mm. And the answer was because I was in the Silicon Valley Menlo Park office and headquarters was in New York. They said, not you're awesome. Not enough people at headquarters know how awesome you are. And I learned then and there, it's not what you do. That's important, but it's who knows what you do. That's also important. And that's part of building your influence and establishing your credibility and reputation. And you have to start early to see it pay off in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. You're so right. So I, we have to end with your public speaking story and how you first got into that because it's too good of a story not to share. So I'm going to just... I'm just going to yeah. leave it right there and let you tell that story from your own perspective. Yeah, yeah. So one of my friends actually was organizing a big data event, um, a conference, and and he said, you're doing good, great stuff in, with big data. Why don't you come and do a keynote? So I'm more of the type of person who just believes in getting the job done and shining on a professional front from an organization perspective, right? Um, I agreed because he insisted and um, and the idea was I would go in, give my speech and then go back to work. But after my speech, there were 10, 15 women waiting to speak with me. They loved the presentation. But more importantly, they thanked me so much for coming and speaking. They said that there were no other women speakers for the whole day. So I took a closer look at the agenda and realized that, yes, there were no other women slated to speak that day. And that's when my eyes really opened. And I was like, okay, there's something wrong with this. This is not right. And, you know, it's funny. You notice it, but you just kind of get used to it, right? As you attend conferences, that's what you're used to seeing. And it doesn't register as odd till somebody points it out to you and you take a second look. Now, if there were... 15, 20 women that I could speak to and be a role model to because I spoke at an event, then I knew that I needed to do something. I used to, you know, before that, I used to always saying that there were enough women role models out there. I mean, you think of uh, women role models, there's Sheryl Sandberg, there's Reshma Saujani, there's so many female role models that looks like everybody knows them. And I just felt that, you know, what value could I add by doing this, right? Uh, I just didn't, I just didn't, you know, feel that I could bring, inspire anybody. So the huge takeaway for me was that it doesn't matter where you are in your career. As women, it's up to us to step out and speak. You, you're going to be a role model for someone else, no matter which 
you know what stage you are in your career there is already always somebody who is looking at somebody they can relate to for inspiration and if there is just one person who's one woman who continues in tech because she could connect with your story it's worth your time to speak up i think all women should look at you know being able to contribute some some time so that they can speak at events or meetups or whatever it is where uh, there are other women who are who might be going through a very similar challenge and but they just haven't heard that story or they just haven't been able to connect with another woman so you know that was my uh, uh, speaking engagement story and that's when i realized that i really needed to put myself out there i i couldn't just sit back and say that there are much bigger female role models i needed to be part of this too because i could be inspiring somebody else who is more junior in their career and you know it's not easy it, it, i wouldn't say it's easy to jump into public speaking there's a lot of work that needs to be done as you know with your podcast there's a lot of homework you know it will eat into your weekends it will eat into your free time and it's very difficult because you know usually it's mostly male speakers so it's very difficult to find your voice but you know th- my thinking is if i can inspire even one woman to continue in their tech career not give it up or take up tech as an option that would be one of my greatest achievements so i really put myself out there and i'm uh, become more you know i found my voice and i uh, i enjoy public speaking now and i make the time and effort to do it <laughs> you have inspired me you, i would not be surprised if you don't get a call going will you be my mentor because you 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 own it from every perspective and and you're willing to say look even i at my level you didn't say that but i'm going to say it <laughs> at your level you have imposter syndrome comparing oh, yeah. yourself and you're telling yourself why you can't do something <laughs> yet you're running all of innovation for a fortune 15 company so i think that just makes it more real and understand that it's not something that you struggle at at the junior level or the mid management that it, that it follows you wherever you go and the key word is and you move on and you do it and and yes yes there are bigger fish in the, the every every sea uh and you are also an important part of that and you are going to take action and own your role and because of that you are impacting lives around you and with that i i have to have you you end with talking about what you're doing with humans for ai because that's your nonprofit that's near and dear to your heart Yes yes so it actually stemmed from the struggle that i've had um is how do we get more women and minorities into tech careers and i think you know we i think we missed the boat with the internet and mobile um ai you know just as internet and mobile technologies it started in the computer science world but it impacted everybody and i see it happening with ai artificial intelligence is going to impact everybody's job it might be slightly different or significantly different but no matter what your job is today it's going to look different 
And so what I'm trying to do with Humans for AI is to really humanize AI, to demystify AI, to be able to attract more women into tech careers, to be able to attract not only just women, but also minorities, because I think even though women are the largest diversity group, we do need more minority representation to build better AI products. And this is important for AI's own good. So, uh, Lauren, I would say, you, sh- uh, you know, please go take a look at humansforai.com, where uh, we're trying to demystify and humanize AI so that everybody can be part of the AI journey. Beautifully stated. I love how you understand that it impacts everyone. It's not just women in tech and uh, techies, but this is this is pervasive. So my ask for our audience is please go check out Bina and her work for Humans for AI.com. And Bina, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Lauren. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to our mailing list to receive updates on new episodes and other fun goodies. And until the next episode, make today better than good.